Well, good morning, HSM. Man, always a pleasure to be with you guys. Hey, just a reminder, you're only a couple weeks away from break, okay? And not just a short break, not just a couple days, but you're going to go back to school in 2020, which is really hard to believe. So we're in the middle of this series called Christmas Playlist where we're taking these popular Christmas songs and we're applying them to scripture and applying them to the Christmas story. And I love the song that we're getting to look at this morning. It's really, uh, it's a classic. You guys know it. Um, So I'm going to have my man in the back, Chandler. He's going to play it. And if you know it, I just want you to sing along for a little bit, and then we're going to talk about it. Chandler, take it away. Joy to the world, the Lord is come. Let earth receive her king. Let every heart prepare him room. And heaven and nature sing, and heaven and nature sing. And heaven and heaven and nature sing. So, if you grew up in church, there is a, I don't know, a 10 in 10 chance that at some point you were a little kid. It's happening down in the other building today. You were this really little kid, and you would have to wear some kind of Christmas costume, right? And you would have to go give this performance, this play, this recital, and Joy to the World was bound to be one of the songs that you would have to sing, and there was the hand motions that would go with it, right, because all of those songs need hand motions, okay? So it's a great song, and it does describe a whole lot about Christmas and the Christmas story. I remember one just joyful moment, one Christmas that stands out to me. I was probably, I don't know, nine years old, and around that time in Atlanta, there was nobody more popular than Michael Vick, okay? He was the guy who's the quarterback for the Falcons. It was before he got in trouble with the law, but he was really popular, right? And I was determined to be Michael Vick. Like, you don't understand. I wanted the same tattoos Michael Vick had. I wanted to do the same thing that he did. Therefore, I had to have the jersey, And not just one of the Michael Vick jerseys. I needed the home jersey and I needed the away jersey. Okay, I needed both depending on the Sunday. That way when the Falcons played, I could either wear the red and black one or I could wear the white one. And by God, there was one beautiful Christmas morning. It's probably 2004, 2005. Santa came through for me. I unwrapped that package and laying before me, was two Michael Vick jerseys. One that was made for a child, right? It was the perfect size. I lost my mind. I screamed. I was so thankful. It was, it was like I had found a golden ticket. The other one I was also very excited about, but it was a double XL. And uh, I didn't quite fit into it at the age of nine. Uh, so I got to wear it as a nightgown until I got to high school. And then it only fell to my knees. So, um, But man, you all have moments where... There was a certain Christmas time, maybe it was a memory, maybe it was a present, that you just remember that like abounding joy that was um, just going through you, right? You couldn't contain your excitement. For some people, it was a bike. I never really went crazy over a bike. I really didn't want to be outside in December. Um, 
But it's different for everybody, right? This morning we're looking at this story where joy is truly brought into the world. And it's not just a momentary joy because the cool thing about the jersey was, man, it was fun for a little bit and I wore it a bunch. But at some point you outgrow it. It's not cool anymore because you're a grown person wearing a jersey. It's a little weird. So you just don't do it anymore. Presence change, all those things change. And so that joy that you once felt, that joy that you once had, begins to go away, right? The memory begins to fade, things begin to change. But what we're looking at this morning, man, it never, ever changes. Because here's our big idea for the morning before we read a piece of scripture. I want us to understand this. Jesus being born brought joy to the world. Jesus being born brought joy to the world, and not just a momentary joy, but a joy that's lasted for thousands of years and will last for an eternity. I want you guys to check this out. Luke 2, verse 8. Luke 2, verse 8. It says this, And in the same region there were shepherds out in the field, keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. Now let's pause right there real quick. So the Lord appeared to them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were filled with great fear. We might look at that and go, but Casey, why are you scared, right? It's an angel. Let me ask you the same question. You're just hanging out at night. It's a pretty normal night. And an angel shows up and wants to talk to you. Don't think you're going to be anything but very scared, right? Because you're going to think, oh my gosh, I didn't think what I did was that bad. But it was bad enough that God sent an angel to directly talk to me. That's an issue. Okay, so they're scared. They're freaking out. Verse 10. The angel said to him, fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great what? What's that next word? Oh God, that was terrible. All right. So I bring you good news of great what? There we go. That wasn't joyful. That was angry, but all right. That people, that will be for all people. Verse 11 says this, For unto you is born this day in the city of David a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. And this will be a sign for, the, for you. You will find a baby wrapped in swaddling clothes and lying in a manger. And suddenly there was with the angel a multitude of the heavenly host praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among those with whom he is pleased. When the angels went away from them into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let us go over to Bethlehem and let us see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. And they went with haste and found Mary and Joseph and the baby lying in the manger. And when they saw it, they made known the saying that had been told to them concerning the child. And all who heard it wondered at the shepherds, at what the shepherds told them. But Mary treasured up all these things, pondering them in her heart. And verse 20 says this, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and all they had seen as it had been told to them. So you got to understand, you've got these normal guys out doing a very normal job. All of a sudden, they get a message that not only changes their lives, but it goes on to change history. It changes the rest of our lives forever, what this angel told them. Joy came into the world, and now 
Joy didn't have to just be this momentary thing. It didn't just have to be something that you felt seasonally or that you felt in a moment. But it now has come as human form, as this child that's been born, that's going to save the earth. And through him, we're going to be able to find a joy that never has to go away. So that feeling that you have felt at certain moments of your life, that euphoria, man, it doesn't have to go away because of Jesus and because of who Jesus is. So here's what we're looking at this morning. We sing the song, Joy to the World, every Christmas. We understand kind of what it means. We understand that Jesus brought joy into the world. But through this story in Luke 2, what can we learn about joy? Because I think a lot of times we've got the wrong idea about what joy is and how it's going to apply to our lives and what we can do through it, okay? So here's the first thing that we can learn about joy. Joy has no strings attached. Joy's got no strings attached. If you wonder what that phrase means, no strings attached, like it means almost too good to be true. When, when somebody tells you that, there's no strings attached, you're like, I don't believe you, right? Because that's what they'll try to tell you with credit card scams a lot of the time or pyramid scams, right? They'll come to you and go, look, you've got this chance to make a lot of money, but here's what you've got to do. You've got to be on my team, and then you've got to tell five other people about this credit card, and if they buy in, they're going to be on your team too. There's no strings attached, though. There's no string. There's lots of strings attached, okay? Don't ever fall into a scheme like that. This, man, there are zero strings attached when it comes to joy, okay? I want you to look back at the very first verse that we read. It said, and in the same region, there were shepherds out in the field keeping watch over their flock. By night. Here's why this is important. You've got this group of guys out there just doing their job. It's a normal night. But here's what's not normal. Shepherds are not the people that you would have expected to get the gospel message first. If you're thinking about all of the people that need to know that Jesus has come to be the Savior of the world, you would think it would start with kings it would start with, man, huge leaders in the nations. It would start in the synagogues. That's where that angel's going to go first to tell them the king of kings, the Messiah, has been born. But it starts with a group of shepherds watching over sheep in the middle of the night, just doing their job. The interesting thing is, and what a lot of scholars believe is because of where these shepherds were located and their proximity to where the manger was and where they were going to go visit Jesus, these shepherds were potentially caring for the temple flock that may have been the lambs and the temple sacrifices. So I love, there's a, a theologian named William Barclay who says this, it's a lovely thought that the shepherds who looked after the temple lambs were the first to see the Lamb of God who takes away the sin of the world. So it's a really big deal that God sends this angel not to tell the leader of the country, not to go tell the leader in the synagogue, but he tells a group of shepherds. And the shepherds have a reaction that I think we all can understand, right? 
The angel said to them, Fear not, for behold, I bring you good news of great joy that will be for all people. And I think the really cool thing is, guys, that that message literally started in a place where we know it can be true because they brought that message to a group of shepherds. Jesus didn't just show up for the elite. Jesus didn't just show up for the people that have their lives together. Jesus didn't just show up for the people that didn't need any help. Jesus was showing up for the shepherds of the world. Jesus was showing up for those people that didn't think that they deserved a second chance. He was showing up for the ones that don't think that they matter. And I think that it's so interesting, and there's no doubt that it was on purpose, that the first gospel message that we see is given to a group of people that society would have said don't matter. So that joy that we find in Jesus, that hope that we find in Jesus, guys, it is not exclusive. It's not just for people that come to church every single week. We could walk in here every single Sunday, sing all the songs, hear every message, go to groups on Sunday night, and still not find that joy. We don't have to have everything together for Jesus to accept who we are. I think that's something that we miss a lot of the time, is that this joy, I can only find that when I clean up my life. I can only find that when I do X, Y, and Z, then God's going to love me. It's not how this works. And it's not how this works because Jesus started his ministry and he decided it was going to. This is from the very beginning where this angel sent to tell this group of shepherds that their world and their lives and history is about to change forever. Because of the birth of this child. The way I like to think about it is, and you'll understand it because you live it every day, and I haven't been in a high school cafeteria in a really long time. However, I know that at each school, there's still the one, and you can just call it the table, right? And it's the table of all of the people it's like all of the powers of your class have gathered together at one lunch, and it's about eight people sitting at a round table, and they are the only eight people that can get to that table, right? Does anybody have a, like a lunch table at school that looks like this, that is just the one where you think every popular person sits at this one place, and they all gather together? This is how it was when I was in high school, and people would spend their entire lives trying to get to that place, right? You are going to try to buy their favor. You are going to do whatever you can to feel like you've gotten into the upper echelon of people to get there. Guys, that's not how, that's not how this works. That's not how Jesus' coming works. He came for everybody. He didn't just come for some. He didn't just come for the elite. He came for every single person. So God's not in the business of being too good for you. And joy isn't in the business of being too far away to get. 
We've got the opportunity to have it with zero strings attached because of who Jesus is and the way that this message came. Because it started with the lowest of low. And it was such a great indication of what was about to happen and who Jesus was going to be and who he was going to try to reach. The second thing that we can learn about joy is that joy can ignite confidence in our lives. Joy can ignite a confidence that we didn't know was there before. I want you to check out Luke 2, verse 15. It said this. This is after the angel had left the shepherds. Let us go over to Bethlehem and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. So you've got to understand, these guys went from just doing their job that night to be filled with fear. They're terrified of what's happening. And then the angel leaves, and now all of a sudden, they've got this newfound confidence of, yeah, let's go see this thing. Right? This angel just appeared to us out of the sky. It's a message from the Lord. We're going to go see this random kid. Right? We have no idea who he is or his parents, but we're going to show up and we're going to go see this for ourselves. If you had told these shepherds, if you had just walked up to them before this encounter and told them at the beginning of their night that, hey, I just want to let you know, this isn't going to be like a normal shift for you, right? You're not going to just be hanging out tonight. There's going to be an angel, and it's going to show up, and it's going to say, hey, I want you to go visit these two people that you've never heard of before because they just had a kid, okay? And you are going to go see this kid, and then you're going to tell a lot of people about it. Does that sound good? They would have looked at you like, you're crazy. There is no way. It'd be me going up to you after the service going, all right, it's not a big deal. I know you've got a lot of plans for your Sunday afternoon, but here's what I need you to do. Over at Kennestone, there's this guy, this lady, they just had a kid, right? They're in room 403B. Uh, just go drop in and say, hey, why don't you just go check in on them? You would think I'm crazy, right? You, there's no way you would do it. And yet, they had this encounter with the Lord, and now all of a sudden, this mundane, boring, normal night where there was once great fear for what was happening, now, man, they're ready to go. The angel leaves and there's not even really a discussion between the shepherds. They just say, let us go to Bethlehem and see this thing that's happened, which the Lord has made known to us. Guys, there's something really interesting that happens, not when we have confidence in ourselves, but when we have confidence in what God can do in and through our lives. We can find, man, this, this part of ourselves that we couldn't get to before because there's something that exists in all of our hearts, and it's called doubt. And we doubt about a lot of stuff. And we wonder about a whole lot of stuff because that's what we're prone to do as human beings. We doubt, we have questions, we wonder. We don't think that it could happen. It seems too good to be true. It doesn't make sense. And yet, when joy is a part of it, 
When Jesus is a part of it and we've got that joy in our lives, it can ignite a confidence, not in ourselves, but in what God can do through our lives. When our hearts are in tune with God's heart, you'll be amazed at where he can lead you and what he can do in you. And I think you could ask a lot of people that have experienced this before, that have had a moment in their lives like this before, and you go, man, how did you do it? How, how is that possible? And they couldn't tell you. But they trusted in where God was leading them. They trusted that, man, God's got a plan, and he's made a way, and my job's to walk. Like, that's our job in this whole thing is to trust in the Lord and walk on the path that he's laid out for us. And yet, there's a lot of times we're looking at the path going, yeah, there's no way. That's not going to work. God, I don't know what you're trying to do here. I don't know what kind of games you're trying to play, but I can't do that. I think you want somebody else. I think you need somebody else. Because how easy would it have been for the shepherds to go, man, that angel must have had the wrong address, right? Like, he must have meant to go a few hundred feet down the street over to the temple. That, must, that message must have been meant for them. We're just going to stay right here. We're not going to move. You know what? Let's just let them do them, and we'll be fine. And yet they trusted in what the Lord was laying out for them because they were filled with this excitement and they were filled with a joy that they hadn't experienced before because they realized what God was doing and he was using them for something that was a lot bigger than themselves. I love this quote from Martin Luther. It says this, Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace so sure and certain that the believer would stake his life on it a thousand times. Faith is a living, daring confidence in God's grace so sure and certain that the believer would stake his life on it a thousand times. There's something that's so interesting that can happen in our lives when we let go of the reins and we allow God to do what God does. And we can fight it all we want and we can doubt it all we want, He's got a plan laid out for each and every one of your lives. It's unique. It's not a mistake. It's not an accident. He's laying out a plan for your life that's greater than anything that you could ever imagine. I heard it illustrated like this this week, and I thought it was so good. Matt Chandler said this in one of his sermons a couple weeks ago. He said, trying to figure out God's plan for our lives is like standing face first in a stained glass window. How many of you have been to churches that have a stained glass window or you've seen one before, right? So, as you know, like, man, they're this really big piece of art. But if you stand just right in front of it, you're going to see pieces of glass that are a bunch of different colors and none of it's going to make sense right if you're just face if you would put your face right up to a stained glass window I'd probably think you're weird but I guess people do it if you did it though all you're seeing is a bunch of colors you have no idea what it's actually 
saying or making. You have no idea what the picture is. And yet God's hundreds of feet away and he sees the entire picture. When we trust what Jesus can do in and through our lives, it'll ignite a confidence we didn't know that was there. And not confidence in ourselves, but a confidence in what God can do through our hearts and through our lives. He can use you for a lot bigger things than you could have ever imagined. These shepherds probably thought they would never be anything more than just a few guys that hung out in the field and were faithful to their job. And yet, because they trusted in the Lord, they were the first ones to know about the Savior of the world coming. Here's the final thing we can learn about joy. And maybe the most important, joy can't be contained. You can't bottle up true joy. Luke 2.20 says this, And the shepherds returned, glorifying and praising God for all they had heard and seen as it had been told to them. So the shepherds returned to their jobs with totally different hearts at this point. They went from the mundane to being terrified to excitement, and now they're praising God for what they had seen and what they had experienced. And here's the thing. When we find joy in Jesus, we can't keep it to ourselves. It's literally impossible. When we find joy in who Jesus is and what he's done in our lives, guys, it's not something you can keep to yourself because it's not something you want to keep to yourself. When you go through something great, you wanna tell everybody else about it. Guys, that's like the basis of social media in the world we live in. I did this, it was amazing, I want you to know about it. Here's the hard part about that. Those moments come and go, right? That's why we have to keep posting and we have to keep getting new stuff because at some point it all wears off. The trip gets old, the phone gets old, clothes aren't new anymore. And all these things that you find like this momentary happiness in and this momentary satisfaction of I matter in this world, it comes and goes. You know this, like you've lived it. We've all been there. The beautiful thing about knowing Jesus and finding your joy in life through a relationship with Jesus is it doesn't come and go. It's something that we have forever. Does that mean that life's always perfect? Unfortunately not. I wish I could tell you that everything was going to play out perfect when you say yes to Jesus and that joy becomes part of your lives. However, you do have a different perspective on things than those who have no joy and those who have no hope. You see a bigger picture. You understand a bigger plan. And you live for something greater than what everybody else lives for. Living for those momentary moments of joy, those momentary glimpses of happiness in the world. Guys, I'm just gonna be straight up with you. It's gonna leave you searching the rest of your life. 
It's going to leave you on this journey and this hunt for something that you're never fully going to get your hands on. Because it all comes and goes. It's all over at some point. It comes to an end. But when we find that joy and that hope in Jesus, it doesn't have to come to an end. It doesn't. It's not something that's seasonal. It's not even something that just lasts a little longer than everything else. It's something we can lean into every single day of our lives. And guys, I think it's incredibly important that we talk about this right now because we are at like the pinnacle season of the year for trying to find joy and happiness in the world, right? Christmas itself is awesome. Christmas is a great holiday. But a Christmas without the joy of Jesus is, man, it's just something. And it's gonna come and go. Because we'll be on to the next holiday, December 26th. But when we're rooted in that relationship with Jesus and we know the joy that he brings, man, you get to celebrate in a way that doesn't have to end. And it's not a party you wanna be at by yourself. We want everybody else to know about it. And so my prayer for you is one, if you know Jesus, lean into who he is, lean into that joy, embrace his presence, embrace what him coming to this world meant for all of us and be incredibly thankful for it. But if you don't know and you don't have a relationship with Jesus, my prayer is that you would walk out of here different and you would walk out of here getting to experience that joy that doesn't have to go away. It doesn't just have to be momentary satisfaction in a day, but it would be something that you get to embrace for the rest of your life. Would you pray with me? Father, I thank you for that story. And Lord, it's hard not to just paint the mental picture of those shepherds out in the field and as an angel appears in their lives, God in the sky lights up in the middle of the night. God, it's hard not to think about what they were thinking at that very moment. Little did they know, a few miles down the road, the world was in the middle of changing because there was a child that had been born that was going to bring hope and joy, not just for their generation, but for the rest of the world, for the rest of time. And he didn't just come for some people. He didn't just come for the religious elite. He didn't just come for those that were rich and could buy it. God, he came for every single person. And Lord, it breaks my heart to think that there's some of us who go through the Christmas season without fully understanding and knowing what that 
joy in Jesus looks like and what that can be. And so Father, with every head bowed and every eye closed in the room, if there's a student in here that says, man, I, I live for momentary happiness and satisfaction in what people tell me and, and in moments, but I want something that's bigger and I want something that's greater. And I know that because of who Jesus is and how he lived and that he died a death that was for me and that he got up out of the grave and he did it all on my behalf so I could have joy that doesn't have to go away and I could live for something greater. Man, if there's a student in here that doesn't have that and would love to, I'm gonna be in the back of the room during this last song. I want you to come talk to me. Because I'd love to tell you a little bit more about the thing that's changed my life, changed my perspective, and changed the way that I look at the world. So Father, we thank you for that gift. We thank you for that joy. Lord, we love you. We thank you. In your name we pray. Amen.